0: This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations so you can better examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. Today we're talking about parenting, children, and athletics. Do you push your kids to play sports? How much pressure is too much? Should parents draw the line on kids playing multiple sports in one season? And how do you define the line? I'm your host, Marna Ashburn. Let's meet the other members of the team. Say hello to wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hi Kelly. Hi Marna, hi Mike, hi everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi Mike.
1: Good morning, Marna, and morning Kelly, and I just want to say hi to all our listeners.
0: Welcome to both of you, and hello everybody out there in podcast land. Mike, you told us about a backpacking trip you took several weeks ago with your wife, Kathy. And I see by the pictures and texts she sends me that you just came back from another hike.
1: Yeah, We'd love to
0: hear of your adventures. So oh. can you tell us a little bit more about it before we get started?
1: Well, most importantly, you know, at this phase of our lives, we both survived. You know. You survived. Came back <laughs> safe and sound. Which <laughs> that's you always, a win. It's always good, right? No, it was really lovely. We went back. Some of our listeners may remember in August, we walked the Northville Placid Trail. So we went back and did a 25-mile loop which touched the Northville Placid Trail but instead of being a point to point hike this we started and ended at our car but it was very different in that it was 2 months later and the winter not winter but late fall certainly is here upon us in the Adirondacks and so the leaves were in incredible display of color lots of leaves on the ground so the footing was a little tricky we had to be really careful where we put our feet and it got really cold when you're taking frost off your tent and checking your water bottles which have a a layer of ice on the top in the morning you know it got pretty cold the night before it was a lot of fun
2: how long was it how many nights
1: uh two nights three days so we walked about whatever eight miles a day
2: how did you come to choose that particular route.
1: This was one of our favorite parts of the trail um, when we walked in August because it's among the most remote parts of the Adirondacks. You're a really long ways from any civilization. So we really liked that area.
0: My question is, uh, years ago, Kathy and I took all of our kids on a short hike in New Hampshire, and it turned out to be really hilly. <laughs> yeah. And we almost lost your youngest <laughs> son, Mike, Henry. <laughs> fortunately we recovered him good but, uh, good
1: we like Henry <laughs>
0: I was surprised at how rugged this trail was so how rugged is the French Louis Trail
1: it's rugged you know the Adirondacks are known for roots and rocks so this is not you know there are portions of it which are old roads and so those tend to be pretty smooth but there are parts which are really rough you know you're putting you're checking every every place you live put your foot down because there are you know all kinds of things you can trip on or bump into. Trail gets pretty tight at times and it's often hard to find. I mean there are so many trails in the Adirondacks and the vegetation grows so quickly they tend to get grown in so you have to they're all marked with trail markers but you've got to look really closely and here's one of the things we found interesting is if you're on a trail with yellow trail markers and the leaves have begun to turn and all these yellow leaves are flying around it's really hard to find the yellow trail markers so.
0: cuz there're blazes on the tree yeah Is that little what you're talking about? little yeah.
1: discs they hammer little discs into oh, the okay. trees. yeah
0: wow any flooded out portions of the trail on this one i
1: um, not this time no we uh, we did get a massive rainstorm uh, i don't know if you guys you know one of these hurricanes that hit the gulf coast and then turns into just uh lots and lots of rain up up north here i'm i know you guys get them more often than we do the first night out was really spectacular with thunder and lightning and rain and fortunately we found a lean-to which are the little three-sided log shelters so we were able to tuck into that and uh, get out of the rain it was it was pretty exciting so
0: if it's three-sided there's one side that's open
1: Yes. So how
0: right. much rain gets in on that one side?
1: Uh, depends on which way the wind's blowing. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> you
0: take your chances. <laughs> yeah, if the
1: wind's blowing right in the lean-to, uh, you better you better keep your wet weather gear on because uh, you're going to be, <laughs> even though you may be under a roof, you're getting rain on you. So we, but we, it worked out okay. It was cold and it was just far fewer people than August, obviously. And what was interesting was we met all these people out in the woods, not a handful, not many, but they all, without exception, were people who knew what they were doing. Uh, in the summer, you'd kind of tend to meet some, some folks who are just out for you know maybe their first backpacking trip, and they're just figuring it out, carrying a 70-pound pack and Struggling along, but when you go in a October, a seventy-pound pack. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, you've seen those. Like, I don't know if you've watched or read the book by Sher. Watched the movie or watched read the book by Cheryl Strayed, but she walked yeah, the Pacific I have Crest Trail.
0: The monster.
1: Yeah, and she started with you know. She probably weighed 110 pounds, and she started with, you know, a pack that was two-thirds her weight. That's not a good ratio. In October, you meet people who are really pretty. They have it together, let's say. So we met some very interesting people who knew the ground well, who had, you know, interesting experiences. That was kind of fun.
0: It looks really interesting, and three-day hike sounds like something I might be able to do. Yeah. And then I would like to get back to my creature comforts. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, boy. i tell you, that first that first time you get into, you know, we stopped and ate on the way home and sat down at a real table, and someone brought us hot food and fresh food. That's the difference. It's fresh food. Boy, that tasted good.
0: Kathy says you make a mean bowl of oatmeal in the morning.
1: Yeah, it's kind of become my, my specialty. It's your specialty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that says a lot about my culinary skills, but uh, it's nothing like. A, as everybody knows, if you're going to do walk all day, there's nothing like a good breakfast.
2: Quick question: uh, sure. Do they have bathrooms along the way?
1: So every lean-to, every shelter will have a an outhouse, and they are in varying states of repair. Some are some are pretty good. Some are a little sketchy. Otherwise, Ooh. you're on your own.
2: Sounds good, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, thanks I'm not sure what to make of that. Kelly, to, Kelly, the enthusiasm level just <laughs> <guess>. plummeted. Mm.
1: <laughs>
2: so Kelly
0: yeah. and I may be content to do this vicariously through you, Mike. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and
2: it sounds fabulous, but I don't know. It does sound cool, though. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for sharing that yeah, with thanks. us, Mike. It's thanks for asking, you guys.
2: Pictures
0: did look very pretty, the fall colors. Yeah. Hey, maybe we should post some. I yeah, I was thinking that, too, and also a, a trail map of the route.
1: Yeah, no. You could run into listeners
0: the next
2: time you're up there, Mike. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, right.
2: How did you guys deal with the coronavirus when, when you're out hiking? Do you have like masks handy for when you see people?
1: We didn't this time. You don't get too close to people. You know, you step back from them. You don't crowd their space. Uh, you're never indoors with them. The difference this time is the way it would normally work in these Adirondack lean-tos and shelters is that if somebody walks up to your shelter and you're already, you are already in it, you would never turn them away, especially if the weather's bad. In this time, both those who are in the lean-to already and those who are walking up to it, they kind of know that people aren't going to share lean-tos. That's the difference. So most folks carry a tent at this time of year. So they usually pitch a tent nearby. You never saw like two groups occupying the same lean-to. I wondered yeah. how
0: that worked. Yeah, I'm curious too.
1: We stayed apart. I mean, New York State is, is very rigorous on um, this whole COVID thing. And we, we just unfortunately had another outbreak this morning in a another senior home, probably about 40 miles from here. And I, I don't know how big it is, but we've had, this is the second outbreak in a senior home nearby. In the first senior home, 15 people died and 150 were infected. Oh, no. um, This greatly affects Kathy's mom. because She lives in neither one of those two places, but she lives in a similar place in the same county, which is nearby.
0: Moving on to our topic today, which is sports parents, a subject we've all had plenty of exposure to nine kids between the three of us. That amounts to a lot of combined hours sitting on the cold metal bleachers. Here's the first ethical dilemma, and it's from my own life. I never pushed my children to do sports, but I did encourage them to try sports and to stay active. If they wanted to play on teams, I provided logistical and financial support. My rule was if they started a season, they had to finish it. No quitting in the middle. My son, Stephen, was a graceful and gifted athlete, still is but he decided in high school that he didn't want to play varsity, basketball, or baseball, even though he probably could have done both. Fortunately, our town had a great rec league, and he had a lot of fun on those teams with his friends. They even won the basketball championship his senior year. He's now 25, graduated from college, and on a recent visit, he commented to me that he wished he'd played varsity basketball and baseball in high school after all. This made me think, should I have pushed him a little more at the time, what advice would you give me and other parents who face this dilemma now? Mike, you've got 3 sons and a daughter. What would you say?
1: Yeah, this is a great scenario and a very, very tough one, and I think many, many parents wrestle with this. I know we're going to have a scenario later in the show which, you know, sort of is the the opposite end of the spectrum. For this one, it's got to be pretty tough for you to hear your son say that now. I I don't I'd be interested to hear your reaction, but this is a really tough balancing act and I think a parent has to look at this very closely because it also is a question of the child. I look at my four kids and there were different techniques that best fit different kids. Some sort of needed a little motivation, a little uh, inspiration, let's say, to go out and get involved. Others, you had to dial them back. You know, they were over-involved, which I know we're going to talk about uh, later in the, in the program today. But I guess I would look at it, you know, you had the rule that you mentioned that if you started a sport, you couldn't quit partway through the season. And, um, you know, I know some families, and we've used it ourselves at different times also, that not only can't they quit, but they have to be involved. And they don't have to be involved in everything. And perhaps they don't have to be involved every season, but they have to be involved in at least some activities, some, in our case, it was often sports because our kids are pretty good athletes. But some activity, they couldn't quit. And they did it both for themselves and for the school. It wasn't just about them. It was like, you have to support the school. The school's going to field a team. They need people on that team. You can do this. You need to go do it. And sometimes there was moaning and groaning and gnashing of teeth. But in the end, you know, I think parents have an obligation to expose their kids to a lot of different things. This maybe falls into that category.
0: So are you falling in the camp of, yeah, I probably should have pushed him a little bit more?
1: Ooh, tough, Marna. I hate to second-guess I, parents. <laughs> I, I, know
0: his, I know his dad did, and yeah. you know his dad. Yeah. his dad's approach was, look, you need to be building a resume while you're in high school yeah. if you want to get yeah. into college.
1: Yeah. Well, there's that. I mean, it's a reality, whether you like it or not. That's a reality out there now for young people. I think you, you do have to push kids perhaps more than, than might seem comfortable let's say at the moment and you know I think back to my experience and my folks were pretty hands-off but then again I was a pretty involved kid in a lot of different ways and the funny thing was when I was in season when I had a a sport going or I was doing multiple things at the same time my grades always went up so there was that factor oh
0: that's interesting yeah time management huh Mm -hmm. yeah Kelly let's turn it to you I'd like to hear what you say about this
2: yeah, I don't think you did anything wrong. I mean, hindsight's always 2020. Stevens probably looking back and thinking about things, but that doesn't mean that he would have been receptive at the time if you'd been. You've got to play sports for 4 years and, you know, do baseball and do football and in fact, it might have worked against you. He might have rebelled. So, I, I, That's I what I, I was afraid of. Yeah, I don't think you can go back and, and revisit these things. And I would say I did and have pushed my kids to do sports in a well-meaning way because for my husband and I, sports brought us so much joy and so much happiness and was such an important part of our lives.
0: And that's how you met. Yeah, yeah. And
2: and it's just been a huge part of both our lives. So, you know, we always had our kids involved up until high school. Really our oldest, probably good athlete, but not not a competitive kid. Didn't really want to compete that much. You know, he played basketball. You know, he's like six five, runs well, athletic, but never really wanted the ball. <laughs> was happy to sit on the bench and yeah. you know, he just he played his freshman, sophomore and junior years and then, you know, coming into his senior year he came to us and he said, You know, I really don't want to play anymore. I don't I don't want to And we were like, okay you know, that's fine. You don't have to. We understand. I mean, it was clear it just wasn't his thing. You know, that kind of made us a little sad. But he had a 20-hour-a-week job and that he enjoyed, and he wanted to do that. And our, our youngest son really, I think, has some pretty good athletic ability and was a swimmer for years and just in eighth grade was like, I hate this. I don't want to do it anymore. We were like, okay.
0: <laughs> that's a
2: pretty powerful
0: statement i hate this yeah Yeah.
2: he just really didn't you know he had a very aggressive coach good guy well-meaning but a real yeller and you know and i think he just didn't enjoy it anymore and swimming is you know you're talking two or three hours every day in the pool yeah that's every weekend we were like okay you know even though really he was quite good but you know so now he does which so suits him for anybody that knows him he does yoga he loves yoga.
1: Wow. <laughs> he does yoga really? every day.
2: Yes. He's totally into yoga. And then he runs cross country and track. Does he try to win? No. He does it for social reasons. He likes to be with his friends.
1: That's and really cool.
2: Yeah. I don't think it's that cool. I'm kind of like, um, <laughs> it is a competition. Kelly's very competitive. Yeah. In case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> Since you're doing it, why don't you try to win? You're out there. You know, yeah. like, he's kind of running, and he's not even red. You know, he's, like, waving, chatting to the guy next to him as he's running past him. Ha- have you ever like, had a
1: runner before, Kelly?
2: I ran track in high school, and, you know, our daughter is on the track and field team at University of Missouri, but she's mm-hmm. not a runner. She's yeah. she's a field athlete, so yeah. I guess I guess not.
1: So I have been a runner and had a lot of runners in my family. And I hear exactly what you're saying about that sort of just participating thing. But the beauty of running um, and sometimes other individual sports is that if and when that's ever going to become a priority for him, boy, it can just take off because he's got that foundation. And he knows what he's doing. So that's, well, a that's good
2: to hear. Very um,
1: interesting case study you're talking about here with your son. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he just, you know, he just wants to be with his friends. And in fact, I almost think he doesn't want to compete because he doesn't want to offend anybody. You know, he just doesn't want to rub anybody the wrong way. And so he's just going to get out there and have a good time, which is completely incomprehensible to me.
1: <laughs> 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 but well, it sounds least...
2: like you've
0: figured out what motivates him.
2: Yeah, and, and it's not me. And it's not doing what it's I, not, what it's I say. It's not competition,
0: right? It's a whole no. different orientation.
2: Yeah, I mean, yoga, are you kidding me? My husband and I are <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, we think it's great. We think it's great. You know, he's found his niche. He loves it. He goes to this studio. He wants to maybe learn to be an instructor. So wow. we're like, okay, How
1: great. old is your son?
2: He's 15.
1: Okay. I'd say that's pretty unusual and been pretty extraordinary.
2: Yeah, so, I don't know how he yeah. he found the niche. And so, you know, we do what... What you describe, Marna, I think in some of the later scenarios is we get him there. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well, take heart that the things he's chosen are lifetime sports. Right. True,
2: and he won't kind of be all gimpy like like you and I, (laughs) like some of us (laughs) from (laughs) from you know years of really hard competition. It really takes a lot out of your body. When micro traumas
0: become big traumas later on, I think Mm -hmm. your body ends up being a little older or a lot older than it really is. (laughs) So when my son was a freshman, I had a little talk with him, and I said, "Look, Stephen, you're not my trophy kid. I don't look at you that way at all. This is your life. You make your choices." and I will support them. I said, but just make choices kind of with the long term in mind here. But I'm not living through you. And, and he said, you know, there's a word for that, Mom. And I said, yeah, vicarious. I know. <laughs> it's the old. It's the old. Wow, it's the old that's make a pretty, good choices. That's
1: a pretty on the ball freshman in high school. Holy yeah. smokes.
0: So he decided not to play basketball or baseball. And I'm kind of second guessing my choice now. I never did want to push him and pressure him because I thought that might have negative effects later on. So I I didn't. But now I kind of think maybe I should have offered him the benefit of my long term perspective. Like maybe in the fullness of time you will appreciate that you had been on a varsity sport. And I never did approach that angle okay. with him
2: having a 15 year old it really wouldn't have mattered <laughs> right I mean I yeah. tell my son stuff like that and he looks at me like I'm nuts I'm like well when you get older blah 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 and he's like you don't know what you're talking about
0: right. that frontal cortex is nowhere near yeah
2: you know with with teenagers in that age group and it was it's this way particularly with my youngest but with the other two they were more I think they weren't as verbal they would just kind
0: of look at me but
2: I'm sure they're like We know better. You know, all teenagers know better.
0: The good thing is that Stephen did find a sport he loves, ultimate frisbee, which is actually a very athletic sport. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. And he's he played on college and he plays on club teams now. So he's really found something that fires him up.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great sport.
0: Mike, final thoughts?
1: I think it comes back to and we've heard from you know both kelly and yourself on just how hard it can be to parent some of these kids especially kids that you see potential with you know athletically in this case i i think we get better with age i i always worried about my older kids like man did i mess them up too badly because hopefully i got a little smarter as we moved down the line
0: they were the rough drafts
1: uh, yeah right But they all seem to have turned out okay. Yeah, I think parents have an obligation to, in some cases, inspire their kids. In some cases, direct their kids. Maybe they just create the conditions for their kids to succeed. And sometimes that can mean pushing them a little. So I would tend towards that side of the spectrum.
0: Tend towards pushing them a little bit. Yeah. yeah. For their own good.
1: Because they just, they don't have that perspective. You know, like Kelly said a minute ago, your kids look at you and think, you know, oh, you're absolutely, you're nuts. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, teenagers have everything figured out, which I find so humorous. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. as life goes on, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> and, and the more I
0: realize how
2: nuanced everything is.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Speaking of nuanced, let's move on to the second scenario. And this is actually from someone in my circle. He writes, a group of us guys... 40-somethings like to go running as a group on Sundays. We all look forward to it because it's fun and bonding. Recently, the guy who's in charge of the running group has started bringing his middle school son to run with us. That in itself isn't the problem. The problem is the way he yells at his son throughout the run. He constantly yells at him to push harder, to man up, to quit being a wimp things like that. It's really awful and humiliating for the boy, and it makes us all uncomfortable. Some of the other guys have commented that they don't want to attend anymore because of it. What do you think we should do? Let me move to Kelly and ask her advice.
2: Tell him to shut up. Seriously, that's ridiculous. And I mean, I think I'm pretty competitive and hard driving, but that kind of behavior is ridiculous. He's going to make the kid hate running and hate him. And I can't even, it's hard to believe that he's behaving that way in in front of his friends. Can you imagine how he behaves privately?
0: Yeah, and I know this guy and he is very loud. He's a loud, loud yeller. It's just a
2: shame. I mean, it, it's almost like he's trying to live through his kid. And
0: oh yeah, yeah. It's so, just you, completely so you say, tell him to shut up. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but do you really mean to be that vociferous to him, or can you suggest a diplomatic way?
2: I mean, I probably would be pretty darn pushy that way because uh, because I'm a fool. <laughs> Yes, you should handle it better than that. But, yeah, somebody needs to take him aside and say, hey, Joe or whatever his name is, you know, cut this out. You know, really, it's not helping your son and it's hurting your relationship with everybody here. Nobody's enjoying running anymore. you got to stop it. Now, you may lose that friendship, but, I mean, who wants to be friends with a guy like that anyways? Yeah,
1: there you go. Good point. You know, Marna, you always use the term or that your father used, which was, that's bad form. This is bad form on two counts. One is this guy has, I'm guessing, without discussing it with his his, uh, running buddies, has kind of broken the code here. The code being that these guys probably go for a run to get away from the rest of their lives once every weekend. And he all of a sudden brings a kid in. And so that's not cool. But then to be a jerk to your kid... And do it in front of others? You know, this guy's got some serious problems, I think, seems to me, looking from the outside in. Somebody needs to say, hey, man, this is uncool. As Kelly said, you're making this miserable for the rest of us, plus you're being a jerk to your kid.
0: I have a feeling if we posed our first scenario to this guy, I think I know what he would have said about pushing your kids to play varsity basketball and baseball. (laughs) I think that would have been a one-way conversation.
2: (laughs) And remember, the scary thing is, this is a fun run. It's not like the kid is in a competition. I mean, for heaven's sakes, it's yeah, a recreational so true. run. So and true. he's screaming at him. I mean, what the hell?
1: And can you imagine what it's like for that kid to be with a bunch of other adults and how he doesn't want to disappoint anybody and he wants to keep up, he doesn't want to get left behind? Unless the dad, maybe I misread this scenario, unless the dad is forcing him to come, I'm guessing the kid has an interest in running. So, you know, the dad's not only making... Uh, matters worse in the moment, but he may forever discourage his kid from running, which would be really sad,
2: yeah, it would be, and I'm sure that's what I'm sure that's what happened,
0: and he was at a very formative age, too. Can you imagine being yelled at and humiliated, oh, yeah, in front of all those men it's, at that
1: age? it just tears your heart out, it really yeah. tears your heart out, you know this scenario makes me think of um some things that happened to us as parents. And there were moments when I know we've all had them when you really can't communicate with your kid, but you know, you know, some message probably should be sent. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe back to Kelly's thing that you know they're a teenager and they know everything and they just don't need to listen to their parents we had a lot of that but we would often i say often two times in particular that i can remember we would go to people we knew family friends who knew our kids who had a relationship with our kids and we would ask them to kind of influence the kid in some regard and in one case in particular this turned into the most remarkable relationship where our son spent a significant amount of time with a family friend who our son was a runner, this guy was a runner and things that my wife and I couldn't talk to him about and couldn't help him with, this guy was graceful enough and interested enough to step in and make it work. So, you know, this scenario with the group of men out running and a, and a kid comes along, makes me think, boy, we that's a missed opportunity. You know, the dad didn't need to yell at his kid. He could have just let things happen and the kid would have probably learned from some of the men in the group if it had been handled gracefully.
2: Yeah, and the most important thing, I think, when it comes to athletics is encouragement. You've got to, I think, motivate kids in a positive way. I mean, everybody's different, and there are kids that respond to kind of negative motivation, but most kids need encouragement, you know, and you kind of have to get a gauge on their abilities. You know, there's some kids you compliment for doing the most basic task or you know most basic fundamental but they did it and it's awesome for them for a, a kid that's at a higher level you wouldn't compliment that but you would compliment something that might be considered extraordinary
0: but but that they should be doing because right. of their ability yeah
1: that's a great so, thought kelly
2: yeah
0: yeah and um i'm also of the school of thought that you encourage your kids to play sports for which they'll, they're they're well suited i remember having this conversation with my daughter when she was in middle school i, I said look you are a power athlete. You're built for power. So let's find a sport that doesn't rely so much on speed, but power. So soccer was out and volleyball and softball and shot putting and javelin throwing were in.
2: (laughs) And it worked out really well for her.
0: So back to this scenario of the running, Kelly and Mike, would you recommend somebody in the group taking the point of view with the father of a this is just us 40 something guys on a uh, run away from our families exclusively that or confronting him about how he treats his son because that's pretty sensitive right
2: yeah that's tough I mean, there's so many should have's with this guy. He's obviously completely tone deaf. I mean, before he brought his son, he should have said to the group, hey, guys, do you mind if I bring Johnny because, you know, he needs to be running and I thought it would be nice for us to be together and he'll fit in seamlessly or he should have run it by the group first or had the sensitivity to realize it was a guy's group and, and not to bring along his son that other people have children and they're not bringing them. So that's point one. And then point two, once he brings the kid, And then he's screaming at him. I mean, that's when really one of his buddies needs to step in.
1: Yeah. You know, an idea here might be that if the guy really wants to bring his kid, then tell the others, kind of get their buy-in and say, hey, why don't first Sunday of the month that we all consider bringing one of our kids with us? And so you expand the experience a little. Plus there'd be perhaps other children there who are running, but you got to get buy-in from the group. Otherwise, you know, the group's going to start scheduling stuff and not tell him. Yeah,
0: good point. I like that idea of one run a month with kids. That probably would have gone over really well.
1: Yeah, that's enough, you know. And and if if that's a big thing, then they can schedule a second run a month with parents and kids.
0: Okay, good ideas there. Thanks, both of you. Third scenario. I once sat in a an Amtrak car across from a man who regaled me with stories of his son's athletic prowess. The son was 14, and he was on four teams simultaneously. Hockey, middle school basketball, a travel basketball team, and a soccer team. Just last week, the dad told me his son had four competitions in one day. It required sophisticated, combined logistics of two parents tag-teaming all day long to get the son from place to place on time and with the right uniforms and shoes. After he finished, I said kind of offhandedly, you know, I don't think I could do that. And he got a real stern look on his face and even started wagging his finger at me. And he said, that is your job. You're the parent. I just kind of sat there, deer in the headlights kind of thing, but I didn't agree with him, and I didn't say anything either. What insights and perspectives can you offer me about the conversation I had with this man on the train? Mike?
1: So, Marna, do you happen to know if this was an only child?
0: I believe it was.
1: Oh, my.
0: That explains a lot, doesn't it? The
1: mud just (laughs) got deeper. Yeah, I think this is outrageous, and I think it's been shown through studies now that this kind of activity and just frenetic activity generally imposed by parents on their children is fundamentally bad for them as they grow up. And there is so much wrong with this scenario and this parent and his style of parenting. Again, this is another one which breaks my heart because this kid doesn't know whether he's coming or going. Now, I'm making some assumptions here. If this is all kid-driven and the kid insists on being on all those teams and is brilliantly skilled at all of those different sports, that might be a little different. But if the kid is getting dragged from sport a to b to c to d in the course of one day then there's a lot wrong with this i mean we could look at the parent is this dad living vicariously through his kid there's Um, that word again yeah (laughs) it's a great word it's there for a reason and you know the other thing too is if a kid is really really talented and you can see that in in something whether it's basketball or piano uh, or anything in between creating the conditions for that child to do more of that activity and at a higher level is is good i think but why would you just make this kid's life miserable and you know mix in you know, the other two sports the hockey and whatever i disagree with this very very strongly
0: and i see this a lot these days multi sports simultaneously and it's possible i don't know if the kid wanted to do this if he was an enthusiastic participant but if If that's the way it always was in his life, he probably doesn't know any better.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit tricky because... We're assuming that the parent is driving this. I mean, certainly the parent is, I'm sure there's a psychological term for it, but (laughs) enmeshed or overly involved. I mean, that he's bragging on the train to a stranger about his 14-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) is a little nutty. But no, it's not your job to drive the kid to 14 activities on the weekend. I mean, as a parent, I think these are family decisions. I know some families that say you will participate in a sport, you know, throughout the year. Just one. You choose what you want, it can be recreational, it can it can be at your school, it can be through the church, or whatnot, but you need to be active in some way. And some families restrict it to one activity or two, and that's it, uh, because they have other kids, or they have a job, they can only do so much, plus there's usually cost involved. You know, as a parent, you know, your job really is basically to feed and clothe and educate and provide health care for your child some families can't do more than that and that's fine I think this guy is way off the mark I mean what I will say is if the young man really wanted to do all that that's great I mean I don't see an issue with it if his grades are are good and and he's happy um, and healthy you know if it's not hurting his body I mean, there's a lot of evidence that for young athletes, it's better to participate in multiple sports. You know, the move towards, you know, taking a talented athlete and putting them in one sport and having them do it their whole lives until they're, you know, 18 or 19 has been found to really harm the body. Because you have this repetitive motion, whether it be as a pitcher or a volleyball player. I think doing different things is really good and healthy. And and if the kid wants to do it. But not at the same time. No, I think it's fine at the same time. I mean, I know I did that with our daughter. Our daughter was really, um, she just loved sports. She loved to be active. And, um, you know, she had some ability. And, you know, when she was young, you know, I guess I'm going to sound like this crazy guy, but I wouldn't brag to a stranger on a train. (laughs)
0: When she was young, I,
2: I, I, I can remember when we lived in Texas that There was a time when she was swimming, because swimming's kind of a year-round thing, and she was on a club volleyball team, and then her Catholic school had a middle school basketball team, and she was doing all three. And I can remember a Saturday or two where we kind of had to run from one thing to another. I think there were just two, but she really enjoyed it, and she wanted to do it. So, you know, we supported her. So I don't see an issue with that, if if that's what the child wants.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fine. I mean, you're a very generous parent to support all of that. I'm guessing this kid whose dad was on the train probably didn't want to be in four sports at the same time. So
0: You think the dad I, didn't? The kid the,
1: didn't. The, kid, Did the kid, oh, kid, oh, the kid didn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of influence there, for sure, from the dad. My question here, and you kind of touched on it, it's actually a comment. Part of what I wanted to do as a parent was to teach my kids the concept of There are finite resources and choices must be made. We only have so much time, we only have so much money you only have so much energy in a day, and sometimes you have to let things go and focus on one or two things instead of four things. And I think, to me, that's as an important as parental guidance as taking your kid to four competitions in one day.
1: Yeah, no, that's good, Marna. I, if this continues, if this let's let's build out this scenario and say that this is an only child, and that this pattern continues all the way through, you know, the time the kid leaves home, that young man will not have had to manage his own life, make his own decisions, you know, set his own priorities as you were just talking about Marna. And he's going to go out into the world unprepared for life. Um, And we see that with some of this really intense parenting, you know, the term helicopter parent is thrown around or tiger mom.
0: Gunship parent.
1: Yeah. Managing, directing, defending their kid all the time. I think it's really good for a kid to have some time to him or herself and you know just hang out with friends and unscheduled moments and unscheduled days so Yeah
0: the concept of unscheduled time is is quickly becoming extinct I think
2: Yeah until COVID I mean yeah. I think,
0: <laughs> until you COVID
2: know, Right I mean and, and maybe that's one of the real positives with COVID right is families are sitting down to dinner right. you know kids mm-hmm. aren't running around crazy or Good point you know, dad who's an executive is working from home, so he's spending more time with his wife and kids. And I don't mean to assume it's a it's a man. It could could be a woman. Um, I agree. I think a lot of parents, you know, think they think their kid is special or they want. We're so into athletics in this society and we so enjoy, you know, watching professional sports and college sports that, you know, so many families think, oh, my kid is going to get a college scholarship and, you know, my kid's going to play here or there. And, you know, I was looking this up for today's podcast and I found something scholarshipstats.com and it was, you know, the varsity odd, you know, for young men and young women. And I focused on playing NCAA Division 1. And I mean the statistics are just the number of kids that end up doing this, you know, moving from being high school athletes to college athletes at the Division 1 level. And this isn't even a scholarship. This is just playing. It's like 1.8%. Wow. That's
1: for all? young men. Wow.
2: Yep, and that's for young men yeah. at the Division 1 level, and it varies, you know, they did it by sport. So, for example, for men's volleyball, it's 0.6%. Wow. And then if you, yeah, if you look at women, it's 1.8%. So it's exactly the same. But then you got to look at the breakdown of the statistics. You know, for example, tennis for women is only 0.6% volleyball is 1.1 percent so some of these are really low i mean ice hockey is a little better 4.1 percent for women <laughs> how women about play women's play golf 1.7 percent also so low. it's really you know it's like kids growing up that think they're going to be a professional football player and that's going to be their way out when they're not yeah. well off i mean it's mm-hmm. just not a good plan
0: and that is a driving motivation i hear i've heard through the years you got no, to I, play like I, this so you can get a college scholarship.
2: I heard it, you know, again, because my daughter was pretty involved in athletics. I, you know, and she played club volleyball and, you know, which is pretty competitive. And the parent behavior and the parent expectations were just generally not commensurate with their child's ability. So, you know, Erin was fortunate in that, you know, she got with a really nice team and really nice girls. And it turned out great for her and her teammates, um... You know, every one of those girls went on to play Division One volleyball, which is pretty amazing. That Except Erin. Yeah. <laughs> Except Erin, who is doing Division One track.
1: Did Erin want to play Division One volleyball? Did she have to change course in there?
2: Yeah, she really, that was her goal. You know, she had several scholarship offers. But she, for fun, decided to throw the javelin. She just one day... Texted me from high school. She was a sophomore and said, "I want to go out for track and field." She goes, "Is that okay?" (laughs) Texted back and I was like, "Don't you have enough to do?" (laughs) Like you're, you know, this club volleyball. She had given up basketball. You know, she had to make decisions along the way, which you guys are talking about, right? And I said, "You know, I don't know how we're going to fit this in." She goes, "I just want to get outside. I'm tired of being in the gym. I want to do something fun." So I was like, "Okay, yeah, go ahead." I mean, it was just the high school team, and I guess from playing volleyball years and. You know, having a strong arm, I and mean, she had played baseball when she was little or whatever, she just was really good at this javelin. I mean, she could really throw the thing. Wow. She ultimately decided like she felt like I can play division 1 volleyball and I'm going to be okay, you know, at that level. She was like, I want to give this a try and see like what I can do with it. You know, she ended up I think her senior year being one of the top 10 throwers in the country.
1: We've had these wonderful scenarios today about parenting and kids and sports and somewhere in there Kelly, you gave Aaron the ability to pivot you know, you either gave her the experience or the, you know, the attitude to go try something new, but that's to your credit and your husband's credit. And I wish more parents did that. Maybe you exposed her to something along the way that allowed her to go from her dream of being this D1 volleyball player to being among the best in the country and throwing the javelin. Great.
2: We really didn't want her to, but she wanted to, and we wanted to support her. And I did talk to her before this podcast. I called her and I said, Hey, you know, these are our scenarios. Did I put you too hard. What do you think? We <laughs> talked for a while, and
0: what did she, she say? <clears throat> Can you tell us? She,
2: yeah, she didn't think I did. She said, "No, mom, I didn't think you did." We had the same goals and similar mindset. It was good to have your support. So, and she also said, "You always." Not with Javelin, by the way, but because she was into volleyball and I had played college volleyball, she was like, you always knew so much, so you could help me. Now, with the Javelin, I <laughs> have no idea. <laughs> and if I try to say something to her, like, I'll be like, geez, you know, maybe it'd be better. You know, maybe it'd be better if you ran faster, like down the runway. And maybe that would transfer into, you know, she's like, just be quiet. <laughs> okay. you know
0: what you're I'm seeing some strategy in Erin here. She chose something you didn't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, that girl. might be
1: it. Smart girl.
2: And she's having a great experience at Missouri. I have to say, really getting pushed, learning, and just enjoying it. And, and more importantly, enjoying school.
1: That's great. You know, she loves school. That's so great.
0: That's really good.
2: Yeah, it's all good. Glad I didn't to hear it. To talk so much about her, but
1: <laughs> shout out either... to Aaron and Kelly, <laughs> parent of the yeah. year. Kelly, no,
2: no, no, not not at all.
0: Now we move on to our end notes portion of the program, where we like to leave you with a little something to think about until we return to the podcast in two weeks. And Mike, you wanted to say what?
1: So you know, we've talked a lot about parenting today and different situations and how much you push your kid. And someone once asked me, and it was towards the end of my parenting years, I think Henry was just about out of the house, but they asked me, was I a gardener with my children or a carpenter? And I sort of looked at them like, "Hmm, what? And they said, were you a gardener parent or a carpenter parent? I didn't, I'd never heard that before, but I think it's a great way to kind of look at parenting and it obviously falls in line with The way I view it, you know, a gardener prepares the soil, creates the conditions, waters the plants, trims them, prunes them if needed, whereas a carpenter goes in and plans the project, does everything, manages, directs, assembles, builds. So I think when it comes to parenting, it is certainly my opinion that the kid is going to be better for having a gardener parent as opposed to a carpenter parent because then they're prepared for life then they kind of have had the opportunity to make some of their own decisions and set their own priorities so i know this conflicts with what i said earlier but again parenting isn't easy and it's full of backs and forths and conflicts and so anyhow just a a way to think about parenting so i thought i'd close with that today
0: yes well having watched you parent for how many years now (laughs) Twenty-five.
1: <laughs> Long time, Mark. I
0: could definitely say that you are a gardener parent, yeah. from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, with some uh, carpenter moments, I would tell you. You know, different mm-hmm. kids at different times. So.
0: Yeah, bringing in the uh, buzz saw.
1: Chainsaw usually, Mark. Chainsaw. chainsaw.
0: <laughs> Carving things up. I mean,
2: it's definitely the <laughs> toughest job in the world, and. I feel like I'm learning every day and you know you wonder if you make mistakes and I know I've made mistakes but you you hope that you can learn from them and and get better and and it's always hard you know I'm always questioning myself because ultimately you just want your kids to be
0: happy and healthy and independent and I would say decent and have good character in addition yeah, to those absolutely other three. yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean to leave that out. Thanks, <laughs> mm. yeah, that was going to be my end note. I, uh, I didn't really have a lot of ego involvement in having sports champions for kids, but I was more interested in raising decent children with character. And I think I did that. And the nice thing is that both of them are still very active and play sports and stay healthy with their various activities. So somehow or other, we managed to raise good kids. There you All go. of us. There All of go. us. <laughs> and that's
1: your greatest legacy, I think. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's my legacy. That's how I look at life.
2: Yeah, and I think having a lifetime of being active is wonderful. It's just so good for your physical and your mental health.
0: Let's keep the conversation going. Leave us an email or a voicemail at our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com. Check out our Instagram, at Ethics Etiquette, and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'd appreciate it if you took time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. It's good to be with you, and please join us again. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesday of every month. See you then.